You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Nothing else matters right now in this moment. Nothing else matters. Father, you had this moment before the foundations of the world in mind. This moment right here. This holy moment where your people come together to lift you high. If you're here this morning to lift Jesus high, would you just raise your hands? Raise your hands. Just raise your hands all over. And I want you to repeat after me. In my life, be lifted high. In our world, be lifted high. In our love, be lifted high. Now let's say it like we mean it to Jesus right now. Jesus, in our lives, be lifted high. Jesus, in our world, be lifted high. Jesus, in our love, be lifted high. God, just take this moment. Nothing else matters. I just thank you, Father. I feel like someone needs to hear this. Nothing is wasted. Nothing in your life that just seemed to come to a heap of ashes, it's not wasted. God uses every single moment in our lives to bring him glory as he draws our eyes and our hearts to him. And so if you do anything this morning, friends online or right here. If you do anything this morning, fix your eyes on Jesus. Be still before his presence and pray this radical prayer. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Use me for your glory. presence is so tangible that just confirms to me you are changing hearts you're healing bodies you're restoring the devil came to steal kill and destroy you're restoring it God for those who are uncomfortable right now just not familiar with the church scene I just want you to know you are loved and deeply loved by the God who created all things, including you. He loves you just where you're at. He just loves you. And he wants you to understand how deep his love is. Thank you, God. Just just be pleased, God. May my thoughts and the meditations of my heart never be the same. 
never be the same. Will you deposit something in us that we've never had before or experienced to change us, God? In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Wow. Um, a year ago in March, I remember sitting here in an empty sanctuary getting ready to do a toxic, unresolved conflict series. And something else toxic happened. <laughs> a virus that caused so much confusion and, and chaos and hurt and pain and division and you name it. And I'm not speaking down on that. It's just the reality of what happened. I just felt like the Lord hit the pause button for this series said my children aren't ready for this yet. And I believe we're ready now. But one thing I wanna just focus on, I'm not going to focus long because I think uh, by this point in time, we're all tired of the COVID talk. Um, but what's interesting to me is since a year now has passed, our culture, not just the United States, the, the entire world, <laughs> has been tirelessly consumed with dealing with this virus. And rightly so, we need to deal with it, right? They have been working tirelessly to develop solutions to protect others from the further spread. And now they're still trying to, and probably 10 years from now, still trying to figure out how to prevent the spread from ever happening, happening again to a pandemic level. Well, friends, I'm not discounting any of that. Hear me. But there, I believe, with this series, God is sounding the alarm to make us wake up and be aware of a problem much bigger than any virus any sickness, any plague roaming the world right now, there is a big problem. And it starts in the church. The virus is in the church. And it is a spiritual virus reaping havoc and destruction in so many Christians' lives and relationships and the church. And it's called unresolved conflict. A virus called unresolved conflict. Hands down, hands down, the biggest divider in, in, in midst of the body of Christ. Do you know churches split because of donuts and coffee? They split over non-essential doctrine. They split because one group wants to do traditional and the other wants to do contemporary. They don't like that the, the, the pastor raises his voice. He seems like he's on espresso, shots of espresso all the time. Nobody said hello to me today. We, I'm making light of it, but this is toxic. When we take offense and we're hurt over petty stuff, and we don't deal with it God's way. 
And that's where I believe this series is going to teach us to handle and resolve conflict God's way. Just like we've seen our world stop with COVID to deal with it, to protect others, and to prevent it from happening again. We as a church need to get more serious than COVID and viruses and all of those things as real as they are. We need to get serious about the toxicity in the church and in our relationships, in marriages, in parents and children's relationships. We need to get right. We need to deal with it. We need to learn how to deal with it in a biblical way that honors God. We need to protect others from unresolved conflict. Do you realize gossip, what gossip does? It doesn't protect others, it brings others into the problem rather than dealing with the problem. We also need to prevent it from growing into a pandemic in this church body and the general body of Christ. The New Testament is filled with warnings and and encouragement to resolve conflict quickly and in God's way. Our vision here at Elevation Community Church, if you're visiting, we're so glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to start a series. I hope you will be drawn to join us for the rest of the series. But our vision here at Elevation Community Church is quite simple. We wanna see real people. That means you. You're real. You have your bumps, you have your bruises, you have your baggage, so do I. We want you to come as you are. We also want you to experience God's grace, his real hope that accepts you right where you are, but his grace is so strong, he doesn't wanna leave you there. Real people finding real hope. And once they find real hope in Jesus, they're able to grow in the knowledge of Jesus and the likeness of Jesus. And then they're connected to real relationships where conflicts abound, but they're able to embrace the conflict because they're growing in ways to deal with conflict and resolve it in a God-honoring manner. Real people finding real hope in Jesus, connected to real disciple-making, developing relationships and ultimately experiencing complete life change. Life change. You see, when we receive Christ, we receive what he's done, our lives change. If they don't, then I would ask you, have you met Jesus? And have you made him Lord of your life? Because when he's in the driver's seat, things change. Man, God is, God is just moving in this place today. You feel it tangibly? You feel it in your hearts? Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> Seriously, buckle up. That's the, that's the word the Lord gave me this morning. Buckle up, son. When my presence comes, <laughs> buckle up. God is... God is doing something in our earthly realm. We don't know when the end of end is here, but we sure see the signs, don't we? We know something's happening. 
And for those who have been born again, set free, made a new creation, Christ Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can sense it. You can hear it. You can see it. God is on the move. But God will not permanently rest and move in a place where there's unresolved conflict. You can't. It's unresolved. There's a wall. There's a barrier between you, God, and you, and others. That's called conflict. Unresolved conflict. It will stop a revival movement quicker than you can say it. It snuffs it out. You will not see a revival movement brewing and continuing when there's gossip, murmuring, and rumors uh, spreading and complaining. You won't see it. It'll snuff it out. A few people will catch it. And so this is so important. The Bible says that just a little bit of yeast will contaminate and ruin the entire batch. Just a little bit of bitterness in your heart will spread to the whole body and then will be reflected in your words, your actions, and your thoughts. This is a problem. And the devil knows it. The whole purpose of the kingdom of God is to bring glory to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. The kingdom movement is moving with power. It's not completely here, it's coming. But the kingdom of God is all about God's rule and reign. And we cannot be lifting the name of Jesus high and allow others to see Jesus in us when we haven't resolved the conflict within us. That's called hypocrisy, friends. You've all experienced it. I have a team of leaders I'm meeting with and a couple weeks ago I asked them, I said, what percentage do you think in our regular attending church body at ECC have been hurt, wounded, burnt by the church? What percentage would you say? Every single person in that group said 100%. That's toxic, friends. And the enemy is using the church as a footstool. He is using unresolved conflict as his board game. And he's keeping the revival movement, the fire and glory of God that we all want and need. And the enemy's out to steal kill and destroy. What that means is anybody who wants God and nothing else, any church movement that says we are seeking the face of Jesus, the enemy puts a target right on us. Yep. Says I'm gonna do whatever I can to cause conflict. Conflict. And here's the problem all the way to the garden with Adam and Eve, the first sin that contaminated and brought toxicity and poison to the human soul. The lie is this. Will you exchange the truth of God that you were made in his image? You are like him. 
you are in complete communion and fullness and perfection as God. The lie says God's holding out on you. You can be like him if you disobey. The same lie comes around, but in a different form. And that form is self. It's called self. The truth of God is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love others as yourself. But the enemy comes and says, no, you must love yourself. You are the center of your universe. And we exchange the truth of God for a lie. And that is birth, death, ever since. And on Easter Sunday, we talked about death. It's a separation. It's not just you stop breathing. You are separated. There is a wall, unresolved conflict between you and God. And we're gonna deal with that this series. First John 2, I'm gonna open with this scripture. By the way, I'm gonna present a lot of scripture to you today. And I would love for you to take that fire hose of scripture and do whatever you do, note taking, take snapshots of the, the screen or just listen to it until God brings breakthrough. First John 2, for the world, the fallen state, the world that's against God, hostile towards God, offers only a craving for physical pleasure. It's called the flesh. You will all have it and so do I. A craving for everything we see. And pride in our achievements and possessions. Does that paint a good picture of our culture? Sure does. And what does it say? It's not of God. It's not from the Father. It's sin. But it's from this world. You see, when we buy into the lie that it's about us, we start to live out pride. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Pride says it's all about me. I'm gonna get mine. And then that pride slowly gives poison thoughts and toxicity where it becomes a little bit more Jealousy, bitterness, guilt, shame, gossip, rumors, assumptions, and offenses of all kinds. Nothing godly can happen in that kind of toxic, unresolved conflict. It is toxic. James goes to say in chapter three, he says that this is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Selfishness, pride, jealousy. He even goes to say wherever jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You think the enemy's not working day and night? 
to bring unresolved conflict in our hearts individually and between others. And so this series is all about this. This is the goal. This is the objective for us to discover and begin to live out resolving conflict God's way. God's way, not ours, because it doesn't work (laughs) in our way. God's way, God's way. And so today I wanna deal with one thing, and that's you, and that's me. I want us to put a mirror in front of us today. Because the conflict, resolving conflict, is about forgiving, receiving forgiveness, and offering forgiveness. Do you know the hardest person in your life to forgive is you? So many of you, you may be serving the Lord. You're going on probably year 35 of never being able to forgive yourself for what you did in the past. Being a Christian, you're saying you've been free and forgiven, and yet you're walking like a dead person, wrapped in chains and bitterness and jealousy and everything earthly and demonic. And so we need to deal with our hearts. First, we need to recognize the reality of our sin. And secondly, we need to recognize the heroic rescue act of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then we need to move forward in freedom, repentance, and forgiveness. And so, as I said in Easter Sunday, sin gives birth to death. Sin gives birth to death. That's why there's no death in heaven. There's no sin. That's why the devil himself could not stay in heaven. Sin births death, not just breathing your last breath. We've got spiritual death. We were completely separated because of sin from God's presence because it's unresolved conflict. And friends, you cannot move that wall in of yourself. It's impossible. You cannot resolve the conflict of sin between a holy, righteous God. You can't. You're screwed. We're stuck. We're damned. We're lost. That's the reality. But out of spiritual death, separation comes emotional death. Separation, a severing, emotional death. We have relational death, a curse of sin on relationships, unresolved conflict. We have economic death, separation. We have physical separation where our spirit will one day leave this physical cavity. But just because the physical body is dead, doesn't mean that it's ended. It doesn't end. It's just separated. It goes somewhere else, which leads me to the last and the most toxic death is eternal death, eternal separation, eternal unresolved conflict between you and God, which by the way, we all deserve eternal punishment and separation forever because we built the wall not God, we built it. 
not God. You know, we love, I don't, well, I shouldn't speak for you. I love heroic stories. I love movies where someone's shipwrecked, abandoned, left to die, and here flies in a rescue team and just by coincidence sees them and flies on in and rescues them right before they drowned. Or I love, you know, the movies where there's, uh, you know, a fire in a burning building and there's children in the building and the, the, the rescue firefighters, the men and women, the first responders come in and they risk their lives as everything's about to crumble to save the lives of the next generation. And then one of my favorite heroic stories is in 9-11, September 11th, 2001. There were three planes. Two had hit the World Trade Towers. And the third one was on its way to the Capitol in the White House, destroying anything in, in, in its path. And we had men and women who finally were aware at what the enemy's schemes was. And they linked arms together and they risked their lives to fight the hijackers, to get the plane to crash in an open field in Pennsylvania. Not a single one survived, yet they rescued thousands. And even those stories are so fantastic. We need to understand the rescue story for all history comes when God decides to deal with the conflict we in ourselves could never resolve. On one side, you have us stained with sin. We've missed the mark, we have fallen short every single one. If you say you are without sin, you are a liar against God. We have all sinned and fallen short. And you know, no horror flick, no horror, horror novel can even paint a stroke of the horror that is awaiting the punishment of every one of us standing judgment because of sin. It's unresolved conflict. We've got a problem, but thank God for the rescue act that God so loved us. He loved us so much that he did three things. Number one, he sent his one and only son in human form. Jesus was sent to walk in your shoes yet without sin. And when time had come to fulfillment, Jesus became your sin. Your sin is what nailed him to the cross. He took your penalty to resolve the conflict you could never resolve because he loves you and you were designed to be with him forever. And so he became sin who knew no sin so that this wall could be demolished. He broke down the wall of sin and hostility. 
He sent his son. He became sin and he broke down. He resolved the conflict. Many believers have not resolved the conflict within, but they say they're a Christian following Christ and yet they have not received forgiveness for their sins. And so resolving conflict is all about removing the wall between us and God. And with mankind, this is impossible. But with Jesus, all things are possible. Amen? And so I want to read this scripture to you. In Ephesians 2, for Christ himself has brought, what? Peace to us. He united all of us into one people in his own body on the cross. He broke down, say broke down. If you're thankful for him breaking down the wall, say broke down. He broke down the wall that separated us from God. He broke it down. In Ephesians 53, or excuse me, Isaiah 53, my favorite scripture in the entire Bible says this about Jesus, what he did for you. He dealt with the wall in your life. He did this. He was pierced for our transgressions. I'm going to get to it in a minute. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, the judgment that brought us peace. And with his wounds, he brought healing. All of us like sheep have gone astray, every one of them to his and her own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus once and for all time. The sins, the iniquity of us all. So we need to understand something, friends. For this conflict to be resolved in your heart and mine. It says transgressions and iniquities. We kind of look those over and just think they're sin. They are sin, but there's, there, there are some differences to these words. That's why they use two different words. Transgressions, he was pierced for our transgress, transgressions is our sinful nature. This is the nature, excuse me. This is the nature that we were born in because of sin. Look at Psalms 51. It says this, surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So that means from the moment of conception, you are stained and plagued by the curse of sin. It's the sin nature. It's the sin nature. When Adam sinned, his inner nature was transformed by his sin. And then he passed it on in toxicity and poison from generation to generation. You are not a sinner because you sin. Phil Nelson is not a sinner because he sins. Phil Nelson is a sinner, and so I sin. It is the sinful nature that leads to the behavior, the mindset, and the identity of sin. We live in a world and a culture, and I'm going to be a little politically incorrect. 
live in a culture that says you are who you are. Your identity is defined by your sexuality and your gender. And I'm not surprised because the world has believed a lie since the beginning. But we need to understand something, y'all. There are only two identities for every single human being on planet Earth. You're either dead or you're alive. Your identity is not in your thoughts, in your sexuality, in your makeup, in who you decide you're going to be in this world. It is based on whether you are dead, separated from God, or you're alive, meaning restored with God. There's no other identity. You're either dead or alive. And you can only be alive through what Christ did on the cross. The second thing I wanna focus on is we have the sin nature, but then we have our daily, willful, intentional sin. We sin because we are sinners, but we intentionally, daily, for many, sin and fall short. Do you know the grace of God, we're gonna talk about it in a minute, the grace of God is so wonderful and it covers past, present, future sins, and God is so good to us. His mercies are new every morning, and his grace we don't deserve. But every time you sin in your life, you put that wall back up. You put that wall back up. And Christ then takes you back to his cross and say, I dealt with that. I paid for that in full. Be forgiven and live in the freedom that I've given you. Willful sin, well, what is that? Well, James 14, we just think it's bad stuff, right? James 4, 17 says this. Have you heard this in a sermon before? So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for them it is sin. So the very best thing that God's putting on your heart to do and you don't do it, it's sin. So basically it's saying to disobey is sin. That's sin, willful sin. We are stained by sin. Guilty as charged. Colossians 3 says this about sin. It says, if you're alive in Christ, you need to put away what is earthly in you. Look at this, look at this. See if any resonate in your life. Sexual immorality of all kinds, by the way. It all falls under that umbrella. Impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Mark my words, mark his words. The wrath of God is coming. But now you must put them all away because Jesus put them away on the cross. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Christians are known for obscene talk. And we think that's just not a sin anymore. Do not lie to one another. Small lie, big lie, doesn't matter. Do not lie to one another. Why? 
because you have put off the old self with its practices. This is a nature and the will of willful sin. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. And lastly, we need to understand what nailed Jesus to the cross, of course, was our sin. But our sin brings death, which is brokenness. We are all completely shattered because of sin. And the only one that can put us together in godly form is Jesus. He was broken so that we could be restored. He was broken so we can be restored. Let's look at uh, a couple of scriptures here because I want us to understand that we were completely and are completely broken, hopeless and helpless. And it says, by his wounds, we are healed. It's a word called redemption. Redemption. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Redemption. What does that mean? And again, I'm going to be politically incorrect again, but this is the text, okay? In biblical times, there was something called slavery. People did not own themselves. They were owned at a price. And in order to free that slave or to free that person, they had to be bought. They had to be bought out so that they could be free and have a new identity, a new freedom. Side note, isn't it interesting that Judas betrayed the Lord and Savior for 30 pieces of silver. Do you know in biblical times how much to buy back a slave was? 30 pieces of silver. Thou preach. Let's look at the next. In whom we have redemption, meaning he bought your sin. He bought it with the precious blood of his son, Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ, meaning your sinful nature, your willful sin, and your brokenness by sin has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. That's the power of reconciliation and conflict being restored because of Jesus. And so I want to focus the rest of our time on what is our role in this. Okay, Jesus resolved the conflict between man and God, but there still seems to be a wall between us. There's something we've got to do. You see, salvation and grace is free. It spells D-O-N-E, done. It's finished. You don't have to do anything, but we have to respond to it. Resolving conflict takes two. God resolved it. Have you received it? God resolved it. Have you received it?
Friends, God just said stop. There are so many watching and here that believe this stuff, has said a, a prayer, done your very best to follow God, but there is a wall between you and God. You have not been able to shake the guilt and shame that you feel for your past. It was paid for, and yet you haven't received it. Confessed it with your mouth. You haven't repented. You haven't repented. And you expect God to bless your life? You expect to experience God with sin that you have not brought to the cross to deal with? There are consequences to that. Now there's hope. God wants to forgive you and cleanse you completely. But we have to come to him. Friends, do you remember Peter, the apostle? And you remember Judas? They both betrayed God. They both did the unthinkable, but both had different outcomes. Peter came to the wall and he came weeping, guilty for his sin. If you're feeling guilt right now, not false guilt. If you're feeling guilt right now for past rebellion and sin, that can be a God thing. But if it draws you to him and to the cross that offers forgiveness, you can be restored like Peter. And he was a wrecking ball force in the kingdom of God. And when he spoke his first sermon after the Holy Spirit came with tongues of fire, they said, what do we do? And he says, repent. Turn from your wicked ways and be forgiven and cleansed. What did Judas do? There was the God guilt there. He ran with the 30 pieces of silver and threw it before the religious leaders. There was that guilt. But then he bought into something called shame. Guilt is a conviction. Hear, hear me, somebody. Guilt is a conviction. Shame is identity. Some of you have been living in shame, feeling unworthy, unlovable, a failure, never will be able to do anything good and right. You are useless. You will never be forgiven. That's shame, friends. That's from the pit of hell. Jesus paid for it too. Peter drew close to God. Judas was sucked into shame. Repentance draws us to God. And it's not because of your condemnation and shame. It's because the kindness of God draws us to repentance. So friends, I know I'm talking to most of you. 
I'm gonna step out in faith right now and I'm asking you to step out in faith. If you have unresolved conflict in your life because of sin, past and present, sin that you haven't shared anything about, sin that's keeping you up, tossing back and forth at night, sin that is about to destroy your marriage and relationships, you need to get right with God. You need to once and for all nail it to the cross, but confess it. I'm boldly going to say, if I'm talking to you right now and you need to seek forgiveness from God, I'm asking you to slip out of your seat right now and come forward right now. And you know what? I'm going to cross my hands back here. I'm going to wait because I know that God is doing a work. I know that God is doing a work. If you are done with living a life of shame and guilt and bondage, you can release that right now. But you have to get up and do something about it. There's more. If we're not getting up right now, we're saying, and some can say this, we're living in victory right now. We're living from the fullness of the cross. And if that's you, I applaud you and I think it's phenomenal. And we need to learn from you. We need to understand that it is our sin that nailed Jesus to the tree and we need to stop messing around acting like the nails are still in his hands. His wounds are, as a reminder, but the nails, there's no more nails. Friends, the devil is playing havoc in your minds right now. He's got a hammer and it's called shame. He's making you feel shame. But the problem is, is he has no nails to nail you to the cross. He's out of nails. Those nails were used to nail your savior Jesus to the cross. He is weaponless. <laughs> we need to seek forgiveness. The altar is open. There, there's still business to be done, guys. There's still business to be done. The Lord says it's time. You are robbing yourself, your marriage, and your family from holding the pride and the painful secrets inside. Just come forward. I want to talk to you all. For those who are bold enough to come to the altar, I want you to listen to me. And while I'm speaking, I'm just going to call continue people continually. Just come to the altar. Let's get right. Let's deal with this conflict once and for all. And so friends at the altar, if, if you're not praying, you can look up. And I wanna share with you three things that you need to do. And if you're sitting in the sanctuary right now and God's tugging on your heart, this is for you as well. We're called to believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to believe with our hearts. Here's a scripture for you. It says this, Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified. What does justified mean? 
means Father God looks at you and says, no longer guilty. You are not guilty anymore. You are free, you are cleansed, and with the mouth, one confesses their sin. But we're also called to repent, friends. We have bold people who've come forward to understand the power of repentance. Repentance means you're getting out of your seat, you're turning from your wicked ways, you're turning from the sin that you crave. You know the Bible says this, as a dog returns to its vomit, so one sinner returns to his sin. I don't wanna do it, but it draws me. That's why, that's the power of repentance. That's the power of repentance, is turning. James four says, come close to God. Come close to God and he will draw close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of gloom, instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's the power of repentance. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Friends, stop holding on to your sin, confess it and be free. And lastly, friends, we need to live free. For freedom, Christ died for you, and yet you're living in bondage of sin? If you want revival, you want to see God move, you've got to confess the sin. We got to get real with God. And I just want to take a minute and just pray over those who came forward. Father, in Jesus' name, you are so good. Thank you for the undeserved, unmerited favor that you've given us on the cross. Thank you that when we believe and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we shall be saved. And Father, when we come to you and confess our sins and ask for forgiveness, you are faithful and just to forgive us. And so Lord, would you give us the power through your Holy Spirit, the power of forgiveness, to walk it out and live in freedom. I pray for every single person who you are working and dealing with right now, God. I pray that they would experience your grace and your freedom like never before. Continue to deal with hearts, God, until they give in to understand that the only way to demolish the wall of unresolved conflict between them and you right now and forevermore is to accept the free gift of salvation and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As the band comes up, thank you, friends. As the band comes up, I want to leave you with some scriptures. Because I just feel like in our American culture of church going and church doing and programs, we've lost the fear and trembling of a righteous almighty father. I think we've gotten lazy of dealing with sin that so easily entangles us. Galatians 5 says this. 
if you've been set free from Jesus, and I pray that you've all made that decision. If not, I want to talk to you. You've been set free. Now make sure that you stay free. Hello. Don't get tied up again. They use that word, in slavery to sin. It enslaves you. Stay free. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. You got to stay in step with the Spirit. And when you don't and you fall, friends, and you will, get back up and put your eyes on Jesus. Receive the forgiveness that he bought with his precious blood and move forward in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you because Jesus paid it all. The church of Jesus Christ are not supposed to be walking around in bondage and chains. They're supposed to be walking in freedom, love, and power in a sound mind. Friends, you're missing out. You're missing out. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, do you belong to Christ Jesus? Then you have nailed your sinful passions and desires to the cross and you have crucified them there. When you pick it back up, nail it back to the cross. When you picked it back up, nail it back to the cross. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. God, just, there's unfinished business. I pray that whoever is fighting right now guilt and condemnation, friend, that is not from God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Receive the forgiveness that only Jesus gives. There's no condemnation, only peace, grace, and freedom. Will you live a life of following Jesus, forgiven, cleansed, continuing to repent when you fall? Stay steadfast, walking in alignment with Jesus, or are you going to step on that merry-go-round of shame? Hurt yourself? Hurt others in the process? Claim to be a Jesus follower, yet wrapped up in shame, fear, bitterness, jealousy? Guess what? You are the devil's playground. Come to the cross, friends. Let's just take this time song to pray to respond to Jesus I'm going to ask Chad and Mandy to just go to this corner here
I'm going to go to this corner with Sherry. Not just, if you need to just get away privately, confess your sin to someone. You don't need a priest. You don't need a person. But it says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be forgiven and healed. We want to pray for you. Don't, please, friends, don't leave until you deal with this unresolved conflict between you and God. And just as a reminder to not forget, there is a cross on the back wall before you leave. You can do it even there when you leave. Let's get right with God. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.